Welcome to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline Turner, and I am joined today by my gorgeous co-host, Rebecca Bonner, who, um, by comparison, to me is wearing a gorgeous sort of pastel tie-dye pullover, whereas I am wearing a tattered cowboy bebop t-shirt. Oh, Wow. We really couldn't be more different. Look at us. Um, oh my gosh. Glinda and Elphaba vibes. Bar- Barbenheimer. Oh, we are Barbenheimer as hell right now. I, um, I think it's so fascinating that the, for the only purpose that the two accidentally premiered on the, on the same day for a season, they were compared to one another. I saw on um, Mad's story today that she was wearing all pink in the airport today. Our friend Mads was on the way to uh, New York Fashion Week, oh and she said, I love it. I've been in the airport for 10 minutes, and three women have said, hi, Barbie, to me as I've walked past. She really she she is she Barbie. Really is, she's so Barbie. I, I mean, she could have played Barbie, but I don't think Margot Robbie um, could have could have <laughs> blacked out at Bar Lubitsch with me. <laughs> In in matching Madeline costumes. True, 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 so true. So in in comparison, in comparison, in speaking of comparison, speaking of comparing people, uh, um, speaking of me ch- chucking my two gorgeous orange cats off my desk, um, we are talking today about comparison. Comparison. We haven't done. A topic episode in a while, but it felt like a nice sort of easy little, a little transition period in between our, our delving into the world of fairy smut. When Maddie suggested that we do an episode on comparison, the giant sigh I released when I realized I got a week <laughs> off of reading uh, fairy porn, um, mm-hmm. I... I, it was huge because we like we we like um, these topical episodes, but it's actually kind of hard to come up with something we want to talk about, you know? Yeah, and something that we feel we could talk about for you know a, an yeah. hour. I mean, stay on topic. That's the most important thing. And stay Stay on on topic. topic. So if y'all ever have a suggestion, as y'all know, we might not take it. But if you ever are like, this is a good topic. Um, shoot us a DM. I'm, I'm always checking. Let us know what, let us know what you want to, what you really want to talk about. I guess to get started, we're talking about comparison, but first, um, Maddie, what was your lonely girl moment of the week? Yeah. So, okay. This lonely girl moment is sort of kind of like in comparison to your lonely girl moment from, you know, uh, a few months Mm -hmm. back. Um, we are in um, just sort of stadium concert summer. We are in we are in the the season of um, economies being sustained by iconic performers doing global tours. Truly, like truly, there are two women who no one should ever compare. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who have created um kind of these i i've never i don't think i've ever experienced 
in my lifetime, such events, like things that everyone across the country is going the world. to. The world. We're talking about Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Rebecca attended the Eras Tour back in, what month I want to say... December. Mm-mm, mm-mm. April. I think the end of April. Oh, duh. Right. Um, Rebecca t- attended the Eras Tour at the end of April this year. And I, on the morning of, 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 of Sunday, the 4th, I received a text message from my cousin saying, hey, are you free tomorrow? And I said, yes, why? She says, I have tickets to go see Beyonce at the SoFi Stadium. Do you want to go? And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, my mom wants to get tickets. And I was like, uh, how much? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm broke as heck right now. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And she says, it's on, it's on mama. It's on, it's on Aunt Amy. So honestly, shout out to Aunt Amy. Oh, this episode is dedicated to Aunt Amy. This episode is <laughs> dedicated to Aunt Amy. Um, she purchased tickets for Sophie and I to go attend um, Beyonce's Renaissance tour. And I, it, it was happening at such a frequency that I almost didn't, like, I feel like with you, like, you knew that you were attending the Eras for a tour long for time. Like a while. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a plan. And that in itself, I think, has its own pros and cons. I think the con is you get more time to just be anxious and like kind of anticipatory of of the entire experience. Um, But I almost didn't realize, I I just like didn't believe that it was real um, until we got to the stadium and we just started seeing just overwhelming amount of people attending this and it truly was like I've I've never experienced the type of reverence of uh, towards a real person we talk about this a lot like we're not really we've never been fans of uh, we're not fangirls really we're not stands mm-hmm. at our at our core um uh, we never, you know, there was never like a boy band that we just lost our mind over and had posters in their room and like cried at their concert. There's no one we'd like pay money to go to a, like a meet and greet for. We, we just don't operate like that. But after seeing Beyonce perform live in person, I, I don't, I don't think I ever want to meet her. But oh my gosh, I've, it, it was like she's not human she is an alien superstar (laughs) she she her her vocals and her dancing and her just command of the stage like sometimes she'd just be walking from one point of the stage to the other and I'd be like that's Beyonce just walking she's just walking in front of me right now that's so insane uh and Every celebrity and their mother was in attendance. And also, um, this is, I think, my pure lonely girl moment. I was having kind of this, like, similarly to what you experienced when you were at the Taylor Swift concert, where you were like, everyone around me is having a religious experience, mm-hmm. and I'm like a mega church. And I'm a little, 
Exactly. And there's a detachment from it. And I did sort of feel that it for a bit. But then um, the concert also happened to fall on Beyonce's birthday, her 40th birthday. Seeing Beyonce perform on her 40th birthday. And there was this moment where Diana fucking Ross came out on stage. I freaked out. And it was, I think it was so overwhelming, like just like people in the audience, like pulling out their phones and like FaceTiming their mom, like that, like people, like everyone around me, just like FaceTiming people to be like, look at what this is. Look at who this is. And Diana Ross came out and sang for everybody. And then she had Beyonce come out on stage and had everybody in the whole arena sing happy birthday to Beyonce. And it was this really like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't believe I'm witnessing. This is a, an, yeah, like I'm really experiencing something right now. This is something, this is not an, a normal thing. Um, and I, and yeah, I was just so, I was really moved yeah. by it. And I, and, and I felt very small. I felt, I felt the sublime mm-hmm. where you feel very small in the face of something really vast and like larger than you. And Beyonce really made me feel that I way. That. Can I ask, um, cause famously you grew up in California closer to celebs than I did, but I, I don't, I wonder like later we found out that all the Kardashians, Zendaya, Tom oh, Holland, yeah. Uh, everyone. everyone famous was there. Have you like reflected on like, wow, I was watching the same thing as fill in the blank. Yes. It's, it feels so, I mean, the thing is it kind of feels, it feels it. There's a thing with social media. I think that there is this collective viewing experience that you like because of the internet, everyone is already watching everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's hard to even realize that you're in a physical presence and feel the vast difference of being in the physical presence of someone or something. But I think the big thing that I realized this time around when I was like attending this concert is like, you are experiencing it with everyone, but it is also completely personal experience Mm -hmm. to every person there like everyone is having their own individual kind of experience uh, yeah their own individual uh spiritual uh dissociative like engaged what have you uh and it's wild to do that in a room full of i don't even know how many people were there i I actually kind of want to look it up right now. I saw Taylor with, I think, 50,000 people. Oh, okay. 100,000 people. 100,000. The SoFi Stadium. A million. Oh, it's because it's the, it's one of the largest stadiums in the United States. Y'all, that's crazy. It's crazy. It was crazy. It was really crazy. I have a video of... Beyonce uh, or Diana Ross singing to Beyonce and uh, Diana Ross was like everybody hold up your flashlights so then like you can get all the little, all the little twinkles and just seeing kind of like how 
how vast the stadium was and how much people worshipped Beyonce. It was bananas. I, and Beyonce's definitely not a lonely no, girl. No. Um, but I, I think that is definitely one of those moments where people are going, I can't believe you got to see Beyonce. And it is kind of interesting whenever you do kind of have those weird experiences, like, I can't believe this is happening to me experiences. Yeah. And, it, it, and, it, and part of it, like, is you're going like, this is crazy, but also you're kind of going, huh, huh, okay. Yeah. This, this al- is, it, it also this is how it is, feels to still, get the thing yeah. that people want. Huh. Yeah. You know? And I'm, and, and maybe there, maybe concerts, we've talked about this yeah. famously, concerts are not necessarily our, our forte, our jam. No. Yeah. They're not where we tap into, you know, our inner selves, but I do know that it is like an intensely spiritual experience mm-hmm. for some people. And I'm so happy for everybody who was there. Yeah. Except for you, Timothy Chalamet, because you were smoking in public and that's super disrespectful. He was smoking indoors. It's an indoor stadium. It is? It's a, He was smoking a cigarette in an indoor stadium. I didn't stadium. realize it was a... You smoke joints in indoor stadiums, Timothy. Timothy, go to the bathroom like a normal hooligan. Go to... Yeah, go outside, Timothy. Him. I know you have bodyguards. No, um, <laughs> congratulations to everyone besides Timothy Chalamet. Um, Chalamet. That's a really good point. Well, yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, uh, I would love to hear what your lonely girl moment of the week oh was. Oh my goodness, I just kind of got stage fright, Maddie. I'll be honest. I, <gasps> oh my god, my stomach kind of dropped. So, I mean, I think. Oh my god. So here's the thing: there's some low hanging fruit, and then there's a journey we can go on. I'm gonna do both. Okay. I have, I have, hell yeah. I have the arrow, and we are shooting for the stars oh, in the trees. You're, you're, you're pointing, you're painting the arrow yes. towards <laughs> two fruits. And I'm not comparing <laughs> them because they're both great. No. Never. So the low-hanging fruit is today was a ghost day. And um, mm. I, at this moment in my life, work six days a week. And often I have two friends I kind of alternate hanging out with on my days off, or I try to cram them both in, and both of them are out of town. They're my, like, day-off friends. Both are out of town, and which is kind of heaven because then I felt no need to make a plans, but a ghost day is you wear pajamas. You either can wear the same pajamas all day or you can uh, change into different pajamas, but you have to wear sleepwear at all times. You're not allowed to talk to anyone. Um, Before I started talking to Maddie, oh, Rosie's on the table, I had one conversation where QR codes are the best. Yes, I really like using QR codes. They are very convenient have a good day. Mm. That is the most I had talked all day. It was amazing. And I'm not allowed to do anything that could make me money is like an important mm. thing. So like sometimes I'm like, oh, I should side hustle. I should like, like, uh, list some things to sell online. I should da da da. No, you're not allowed to make any money. This is the Sabbath. And so that's a ghost day. Yeah. So I had a ghost day today and, um, I finished I a project it. that I've been working on for like Yes, you Five did. Five months, it's, and it's really exciting. And I'm so proud of you. So, anyway, so this is us. And if you, if y'all knew, if I'm, 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 I'm starting to talk like Rebecca now, y'all. If y'all knew, oh, that's a good word. If you guys, if you dudes, um, even knew how much work she's put into this, and 
how um, much outside of her comfort zone this is, you would be so fucking proud. Mm -hmm. And hopefully one day um, we will be able to share to, well, yeah, you should be, don't compare yourselves to her, you guys. Gosh, how toxic of me. Um, But yeah, so we, but you guys would be very proud. Thank you. Um, So I'm excited about that. But that was my low hanging fruit is literally relishing being alone all day. Um, like a Victorian mm. ghost is very lonely girl. Yes. And, um, but we're, <gasps> we're going to swing a little higher now. We're going to aim for the fences. Yeah, we are. Um, how many metaphors can I put in? Um, <laughs> so the other night I was invited last minute out by our friend Madison. Um, Madison, who you've met is really cool. Yes. She's, I tricked her into being she my friend is. by interviewing her, AKA it works. Doesn't it Maddie? <laughs> it does. And um, I'm locked in for yeah, life. I know. Uh, I'm scared for it. And um, so Madison <laughs> invited me out last minute. She's like, hey, there's this like last minute thing happening at this bar on Monday. And um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a last minute hit, hit up friend of Madison Hatfields. And I felt like really excited and I was really tired, yeah. but I was obviously going to pull through for Madison. And um, I got obviously. to the bar. And I'm with all the girlies. I was so excited to see all my girlies. And um, one of her friends came and he said he was going to listen to last week's episode. If you're listening to this week's episode, sorry. Um, I didn't hear what you thought of last week's episode. So you are supposed to tell me now. So we were talking. Let's call him Aragon. (laughs) Okay. So um, Aragon, um, who said he was going to tell me what he thought about the episode. So... Aragon had been to Dragon Con famously, and I immediately was so right. confused on why anyone would choose to go to a convention of a large group of people. And I go into reporter Rebecca mode. I ask him, why would you go? I, I don't understand. Did people make you go? <laughs> he said, no, no one made me go. I went alone. I kept saying, I don't understand why you would, why you would go. And, um, and then after like a very short exchange, we hadn't even talked for that long. And we kind of went off into our own conversation. And he said, you know, out of all of Madison's friends, and I was like, oh, Madison is very bubbly. Madison is very beautiful. Madison has a lot of really great friends. Like, I I wonder what I'm going to be compared to. And he said, out of all Madison's friends, you're kind of the most vanilla and, and, and that, that really, that really got I you. I did. And I said, I was like half a drink in, and I said, I have half of a drink. That is not vanilla. And I said, <laughs> and I said, I don't know how to convince you I'm not boring. And he said, you don't, you don't need to, you're not boring. But I could not get over the word vanilla. So I'm looking at all these girls at the bar. They're all very beautiful. They're all very cool, successful. My friend Haley was there. And to me, Haley, I was like, oh, Haley's here, the most beautiful woman in the world. Um, Men kept trying to buy her drinks. And I was like, of course they are. Haley is so beautiful, you know? And I immediately, I had been compared, haha, to all of the other, (gasps) ah, I tied it in. Oh, oh, high hanging fruit. I did it. Ah, but um, <laughs> I do want to just. I want to get into. Let's get this into it. I, Sorry, Aragon. It's this is why you don't talk to someone with a podcast. You were warned. 
Yeah, exactly. We can we can tie this into uh, our topic for today. But I, what do you think mm-hmm. is like when you hear vanilla? What is this guy saying? What is this this dragon rider saying? Well, he said later, "What do you do for fun?" And I immediately oh. was like, "Kill people." No. <laughs> murder murder. (laughs) but the idea of fun I was just like oh god because my idea of fun is today I was alone for so long and then I like and then I wrote for like six plus hours and then um and and then I hopped on a call with my friend and I typed yeah. up notes for the podcast. And then once we hang up, I'm going to begin to prep for the next podcast episode. Like, this is fun for me. Yeah. This is what I like to do. What do you think? Because that is what I do for fun. I, did he say it in a way that you felt was maybe a little bit judgmental? Like, was it to have a negative connotation? Or was it kind of like, oh, like, you're here's like maybe his sort of context mm-hmm. of this group of friends had been like a little insane. And so he was like, Oh, you're so vanilla. Like, yeah. Well, also I will say I don't know, but vanilla, vanilla. is not like su- it's. I don't think you're vanilla. See, I think I am vanilla. If anything, you're like you're like strawberry. Thank you. I I do love strawberry. I think if anything, I do think I'm vanilla. However, I didn't like I was being read as vanilla so quickly. But yeah. um, and I'm fine with that. I'm very comfortable being boring and anxious. I like that about myself. I also, here's the thing, this, and this is what I've been thinking about a lot lately, is there is sort of this idea of, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I feel like I'm hitting a point in my life where the core part of who I am, that's always been there, is really solidifying. Mm-hmm. And the core part of who I am likes going to bed early. Mm-hmm. Or if I stay up late, it's because I'm, like, uh, hyper-fixating on, like, a puzzle or a TV show. I like going on walks. I like sitting in parks. I like, um, I like uh, you know, getting a glass of orange wine with the girlies. I like, I like just chatting. I like, um, I like going to see my mom and having dinner with my siblings. And there is this sort of desire to maybe see yourself as not experiencing life to the fullest. I feel like for the rest of my life, I'm pretty much going to be doing the same things. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be having dinner. I'm going to be talking to people. I'm going to be driving in my car. I'm going to be on planes. I'm going to be having to read things. I'm going to be having to write emails. I'm going to have to go to the DMV. Like, I'm just, I'm going to be doing all these same things for a while. And so I might as well learn to really indulge in the, the, in the vanilla, in the mundane, and learn how to do it really, really well. Well, I think that's kind of like, if someone was like, what is your goal in life? I would, I would say this, my goal in life is to be alone all day. Um, not really. Um, but like have a, have a day where I'm alone and I write for six hours and it goes really well. And then I 
that's like my work time and then I prep for something and then I make something and then I keep making something. I, I, I think also a deep down with like being okay with whatever vanilla is, is I know I'm secretly weirdly very interesting if, does that make yeah. sense? Like I, I've had people well, stop me mid conversation and just go, "How old are you?" Because I'll keep referring yeah. to all these kind of versions and lives and cities I've lived in, and people are like, "No, wait, no, are are you forty? Like, how many lives have you yeah. lived?" And I'm like, "I packed a yeah. lot in in the first like five plus years, <laughs> five years of adulthood." Well, and I think there is, it is, it doesn't really bother me until you get caught up in, in comparison Mm. to maybe not necessarily someone specific, but this idea of the type of life that you're supposed to be living Mm -hmm. and, and how you're the, the the deep anxiety of like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. I'm doing something. I'm doing something wrong. And I think for some people, seeking out new experiences all the time. I think you are not vanilla because I think vanilla lacks curiosity. And I think perhaps you are not as externally curious as someone who externally would be perceived as more vanilla, but you are immensely internally curious. You will keep that will keep you interesting and interested and experiencing different facets of life for forever. Yeah. And and I know that about myself. One thing you were saying the other day is you were saying like, Rebecca, I feel like any experience you have, you're always going to just like find a way live to, it. yeah. Um, I, I work it. part-time at Paper Source and no one gets more excited for the UPS. The, the UPS yeah. guy is like, no, like no one on my route is as excited. And I'm like, I'm going to unload these 17 boxes so fast. I don't want to shit on anyone who maybe does fall in the category of being a little bit more hardcore, but I have, I feel like my thought is that those people would die at paper source. They would absolutely die of understimulation. They would not be able to, they, they, it, they need that intensity Mm -hmm in order to feel anything. And also, and how wonderful that you can feel so much doing nothing. And like, I've (laughs) done the backpacking around Europe. I've done the, I've done the crazy kooky live abroad and I, I was good at it. And if I need to be hardcore, I can be good at that. And I can also be good at being alone all day. Um, Aragon, if you are listening to this, I promise this was a launching point, and it's not that deep. Yeah. Okay, let's keep and going. It's really not that deep. So. Let's keep going. I think a, a fun place I want to start is we've both mentioned, like, different people we've compared ourselves to that we don't know. Yeah. Somehow their success or something reads into our uh, our downfall. I Our, our, and our like, arch nemesis. I think because. Who doesn't know we exist. Our arrival. Yeah. Yes. My, my my number one rival. Um, oh, well, and I think it, like it, I feel like there's, especially in adolescence, there is, I think comparison is so necessary in forming your identity. And I think the person that you perhaps see a version of yourself in the most 
can become a rival in a sense because they've managed to uh, uh, obtain a a version of the life that you would like to live or a, a visual or an aesthetic that you would enjoy to have. Or even like if someone's, if you're constantly compared to some celebrity, there's, there, there's a part of you that's like, mm, mm-hmm. mm, no, I'm me. Oh, I, <laughs> I'm the only I, one. Maddie wouldn't know anything of being compared to someone constantly. I wouldn't know anything about that. And I think, so for, for you, Rebecca, is there anyone that sort of stands out that you felt yourself sort of compared to, or, or kind of, I would say, put (laughs) a stranger that doesn't know that they're your rival or at one point were your ultimate rival, I guess like early on, like maybe not now, is there someone that, like as a kid, uh, that yeah, that like first sort of sparked that, that like ooh. So here's the incubus. I one of my top five favorite people who I would fangirl over, and I did once, is the Chicago uh, theater critic Chris Jones. I love him. I love his reviews. Big big fan. And Tavi Gevinson, or Tavi or Tavi Tavi Ta- Tavi. I think it's. So sorry, whichever one. I know you're a big fan. But anyways, Tavi Gevinson was a Chicago blogger who had uh, a blog called Rookie Magazine. And she became big even before that. She was like an adorable, precocious child invited to Fashion Week. And that didn't really make me jealous. And then she had a big blog and she was like this editor. And that didn't really make me jealous. But then I found (laughs) out, oh, I, I need to find the play. Tavi was in This Is Our Youth um, at the Steppenwolf Theater. She was not a... Mm. Steppenwolf is like... Steppenwolf is a big... Big deal. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. It's like this very cool actory actor, very well-respected, as it should be, theater in Chicago. So she was in This Is Our Youth, definitely a publicity casting, and she was a teenage girl. And Chris Jones interviewed her for it, and mm. I was seething with jealousy because I was like, this is like an influencer in a celebrity casting being interviewed by Chris Jones. And obviously he's not going to slam her, you know, because she's a kid. So he's really nice about yeah. her performance. And then she transfers to Broadway and she's in The Crucible with Ben Wishaw. So jealous of that. Oh. And then she gets to do Chekhov in The Cherry Orchard. And she's just... This this girl's just eating it up on Broadway, and I'm and then also like publishing essays and like wrote something for the New York Times, and it's just she's living this indie like other ish, but so cool experience. And I've always kept yeah. up with her. Sometimes I literally, I've like moved past this, obviously, but like sometimes I'll just search her name. I'll just search on it and click on news, and I'll just yeah. be like. What you doing? And um, I, yeah, I just, I, I was very jealous that as a girl who's always wanted to be an actor and I like, like, oh, I'm going to take all the classes and I never was the lead in anything and this, this. And then it, it, the anger, or maybe not anger, the jealousy of someone who stumbled into it by being a stunt cast oh. in a play at Steppenwolf 
just like, and then she still got to be a, a fashion and a literary darling, just like, oh yeah. my gosh. Like, wouldn't I eat that up? Yeah. Can you see why yeah. I'm jealous? Yeah. No, and I think, I mean, I feel like jealousy and comparison, like, definitely mm-hmm. go hand in hand. And especially the, you know, notoriety. Anyone with notoriety, we don't know what goes on in their life. No. We just don't. We don't know what the day-to-day is. We don't know what their mental health is like. But it is, especially when someone ticks all the boxes of all the things that you want, it is so hard mm. not to feel that sense of comparison, especially if you feel a little bit more like lost and lonely in the mm-hmm. world. And there's not as, there isn't a, a wealth of public figures that you readily very identify with. So when you do, it's kind of a relief, but then you're also like, I hate you. Yeah. Please, st- please stop. I, for me, my, I didn't really have my, my experience with a public figure. I feel like has kind of come uh, in a way that I, I have a love hate relationship with it now. And I also did kind of ask for it. I put myself in the position of being compared to this person um, for the sake of notoriety. So I, I, but it is a complicated relationship. I don't know if you know this about me, Rebecca, but um, there is often the comparison between the work that I do and the um, noted esteemed director, Wesley Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my, in, in my sort of early days of creating content online and the thing that got me where the thing that you saw that made you know about me and uh, got got me where I am was a me parodying Wes Anderson and then continuing to create a few parodies of his work uh, and and in since sort of developing my style and uh, tone and aesthetic as a director, I think the shorthand for for what I do definitely definitely goes back to Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're not as incredibly familiar with film, I think Wes Anderson like he he's everywhere. He's 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 not just a part of film. He's a part of the internet and in and branding and like the commercial world in a way that no other director is. Like he is so like the the idea of a Wes Anderson aesthetic conjures immediately something mm-hmm. in your mind. And in establishing myself as a director, there's the push and pull. There's knowing that, you know, like my management team, when they're pitching me to people, they they go, Oh, she's like a, you know, she's like a female Wes Anderson. She's like the next Wes Anderson, which for production companies and for, for producers, that is what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. They want to they want to know your comps. Almost like IP, where like it's yeah, it's proven to work. They want comps. They want comparisons mm-hmm. so they can uh, 
so they can make an informed decision on whether or not you're the best choice. I've gotten to where I am because of Wes Anderson. We wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for Wes Anderson. I know, if it wasn't for Wes Anderson. But I, as of, as of recently, uh, it's, uh, it's become a bit of a, a bit of a curse, if you will. And really kind of like in finding, like getting to a point where sometimes I have to uh, make a decision that I don't want to make creatively because I just don't want it to feel to a Sanderson. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a meeting with a producer, a general meeting. That That's basically all I do now. Um, a director's meeting, by the way, not a general meeting for writing, just in case anybody's, because we're on strike right now. Um, but it was the first time I met with kind of a bigger producer. It was the first time someone really kind of challenged me um, and kind of challenged the work that I've put out so far. And she was like, yeah, so like I totally, I totally see the Wes Anderson influence, but I'm not, I'm not sure you can, I'm not sure you can do your own thing. I have, I, what I've seen from you isn't Madeline Turner. It's still sort of just a version of Wes Anderson. And she's like, so I want to know like what you plan on doing. Cause I was pitching her my future. Yeah. And she was like, I want to know what you plan on doing to make this feel different from a Wes Anderson feature. And I was like, whoa, I've never been challenged like that before. And it kind of like took me back, but also kind of felt a little good. Um, but I, I was so, it is a little bit scary knowing that if the work that I do gains a larger audience, there will always be that comparison there. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't, I would not expect or could not um, expect anyone to like need, need to understand that I'm different. That's just part of being an artist. Mm-hmm. I feel the, uh, the tension and I, and I hope it, it, the comparison between us has been the reason why I have a career in a lot of ways, not in every way, but a lot of ways and might be one of the biggest hurdles to get mm-hmm. over uh, in trying to establish myself as a director in the way that I would hope to. Do you know what I want to compare that struggle to? Wes Anderson's struggle. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so go when for it. Asteroid City came out, which I'm not promoting or not promoting, but I do like to listen to yeah. a lot of interviews um, with, you know, whoever is a part of something I consumed. And he was saying, and I loved it. He was like, no, I was being made aware that I do these things a lot. Like, oh, there's the middle of the frame. There's the this. And he said, so I, for a while was trying to lean out of whatever people are saying, oh, you always do that. But then he said, but then I realized like, I like shooting it that way because I like shooting it that way. There's a reason I made that choice. And so all of these tropes that people are saying like, oh, that's so you, he's like, there's, I eventually just stopped listening and stopped reading the things that people said I did. And also I think like with you being compared to Wes Anderson, it's kind, it's more that I've always, 
I've always also kind of gotten defensive for Wes Anderson. And I think part of it is because he's the reason I know you, but I get so annoyed (laughs) when people are like, oh, this is Wes Anderson. And then they're holding a little suitcase and walking straight down a hallway. And I've always been so annoyed because I'm like, I think that happened like three times. You would think that like what Wes Anderson has made is actually so nuanced and varied. And like what you're being compared to, that is the more frustrating thing is just that you're being compared to the cliche version of him because actually he's a very nuanced and varied director, but people have put him in a box. And I think it's not that you're complaining about being compared to someone who is very creative and successful and aesthetic. And he's famous for being very kind and lovely to work with. And like, there's so many compliments in it. There's so many, there's so many compliments in being compared to him. But I think, um, I think it annoys me when he is compared to the cliche of himself and thus, um, and I remember you telling me, I think it was when I first interviewed you that your videos were naturally aesthetic. People were commenting, this is so Wes Anderson. And then your reaction is like, you think this is Wes Anderson? Oh, I'll give you Wes Anderson. And then that's how it all launched off is actually you were yeah it's because you like you leaned (laughs) into the bit you you gave the people what they wanted and then that's what blew up yeah and I and I do really love I think I I love watching his films and I love what his films do and I think if given I don't think I can do what Wes Anderson can Mm do at all I I I I can't tell the types of stories that he can, and I'm not detail-oriented in the way that he is as a filmmaker. But I also don't think he can do what I do, or he could, but he wouldn't want to. And, <laughs> and vice I think versa. A lo- I think a lot of artists, especially in the day and age that we live in right now, where all imagery is immediately referenceable, like... Every, everything from every time is available at all times. There is so, like, even uh, Olivia Rodrigo and her most recent interview with Vanity Fair, where she was talking about what she had to deal with on, like, a litigation level with her songs being so compared to other songs like melodically like she had to pay royalties to Paramore because of Good For You she had to pay royalties to Taylor Swift because of uh, the similarities in one of her songs and Cruel Summer and I think it would be really frustrating I imagine it's incredibly it was incredibly frustrating being her not only having to like pay money but having people basically say she like ripped off Mm -hmm. a a music artist when really what she was doing is creating a song that happened to sound like another song and there's so many songs out there that's like so impossible I remember Ed Sheeran like say like he was telling an interview once where like he was getting sued because like his I don't know, part like the backtrack or whatever, something was just like this other song. And he listened to it and he was like, and it had come out before his, it was a way smaller artist. He's like, whoa, yeah, 
this is the exact same. Yeah, he's sounds, like, I might have heard it. So I honestly might have yeah. heard it and taken it on. And he was like, okay. And he like, also that's Ed Sheeran knowing he has more money than God and blah, blah, blah. And he yeah. seems like a good guy. But like, um, just to follow on the Olivia Rodrigo thing, I've been really into Chapel Rowan recently. I sent you one of her music videos. She was working with the same producer as Olivia Rodrigo around the same time Olivia launched. And I'm going to mess up the dates, but Olivia was going high up around the same time. Then Chapel, working with the same producer, was dropped from her label. And then all of a sudden, now she's a barista oh. at a coffee shop while probably Good For You is playing. And she's like, that was the same guy I was working with. But then he was giving all of his oh. attention to Olivia. And this is me like putting myself in her shoes. These facts probably aren't exactly right. But all of a sudden... The, I, I, like the Grammys that year just was the Olivia Rodrigo birthday party. Like Rodrigo show. No, it literally. was the most Olivia Rodrigo. And then you're just sitting there, you know, in your apartment being like, almost like that almost was me. And now she's like created her own career. It's very nuanced. It's very niche. She's working with that producer again and making really cool stuff. But, um, yeah, and then there are some of Chapel's songs where I'm like, Olivia could have sang that, or some of Olivia's songs, because their producer, there's some stylistic overlap, where I was like, oh, Chapel yeah. could have sang that song. So I, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting maybe to think about who other people are comparing themselves to. And I don't know about you, but I, in Atlanta, yeah. um, Big Fish, Small Pond, I have friends who hear um, uh, people are like, like I have friends who are quote unquote in Atlanta successful. And, um, what's funny is yeah. people are like, Oh my gosh, she was a regular on this one show. Like I went in for that show. I would have been so jealous, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then that friend who's the quote unquote successful one, she's not, she's looking at like Florence Pugh and just being like, Oh my God, yeah. I'll never be Florence. Like everybody is always Everybody is like looking up one step ahead of them. And, yeah. um, you know, I think there is an element to it that can be really uh, conducive to personal growth yeah. and like an equal amount where that comparison can be like super debilitating. But I think it's I think we like are able to learn just in terms of like time passing like watching a movie when you're 18 and watching a sa the same movie when you're 28 and comparing the two experiences, I think that's like a really crucial part of evolving mm -hmm. is being able to compare yourself, compare yourself to people without passing judgment either on them or yourself. Mm -hmm. I want to maybe move into... Um what we compare ourselves to the most, and I kind of want to kick it off with what mm -hmm. we were talking about the two of us a couple days ago. So I famously work at a bridal shop and I have now worked with over 700 brides and, um, and most almost, <laughs> I say that these are kind of like going on first dates because I meet you, I talk about your friends and family, and by the end of it, you're probably naked. And, um, and yeah. so I, and I promise, I promised my girlies, I am not staring at your body. It's, it's more when I take their measurements and I then look at mm. their measurements and I know my measurements 
And I'm like, how, how, how is your waist this number? Like I literally could become decrepit and I will never look like this. Or I, I'm like, and I'm not ogling them, but I'm just like, no, that's not, that's not possible. How is there, they're fitting every into everything beautifully. And I, there was this dress I bought for myself recently at Target. And my first thought was because now I'm so obsessed with how things fit and look on people. I almost didn't buy this dress I really wanted because I knew it would look better on my friend, Sam. Like, I just was mm-hmm. like, I, I even for a second was like, I should just give it to Sam. Like it's a drop waist. Her, her hip measurements are bigger and it'll look good with the drop waist. And then her waist is like invisible. And I literally go the opposite direction. And, um, and so physically it's not just I, as women, we're already thinking about our bodies and criticizing them so much, but literally my job is to is to make clothes fit on you perfectly. And so obviously I am then in turn looking at myself in these mirrors and like this year and also like I'm getting older, but this year I'm like, oh my God, because I'm surrounded by mirrors. I'm like looking at the lines on my face. I'm like, oh, here's a line, here's a line. And then my coworkers, they're so beautiful. I, my coworkers get comments and compliments on being beautiful by random people all the time. I've never gotten a compliment like that. And I'm, I am told that I'm amazing at what I do 24 seven. Um, but not to brag, but like, I don't care. I want you to tell me I'm the prettiest, (laughs) um, you you know, like, and so, and also (laughs) let's just go on a rant, but, um, yeah, I think for right now, because I work and I still am comparing myself, like when my friends buy a house, I'm like, I'll never be able to buy a house or like when like people start a new relationship, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not always jealous. I will say I'm not jealous of most of my friends starting a relationship because I, I yeah. my job is to work with engaged people and uh, it's uh, yeah, it teaches you're like, you a actually, lot. Actually, I have a little bit of yeah, yeah about uh, just the, the the highs and lows of modern. Yeah, dating. but also like when I mean we can cut this out. But when Maddie said that she was dating someone, my first thought was like we joke that we're these two mirrors of our, like of each other, but I'm like, what if she keeps progressing? Cause if she does mm-hmm. and I don't, then that just proves I'm the broken half of the mirror, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, it, I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, like, yeah, totally. You might be I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's I, see. Let's I, find I, out. No. <laughs> I just think it's, I, I, I think the, the comparison perspective Comparison is a great way of having a metric for, yeah, your own personal growth and where you're at and what you prioritize. Like, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm never going to, like, compare myself to the life of, some, like, a Brazilian supermodel. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. And... But it's so much easier to compare yourself to friends in the same sphere. Mm-hmm. And and it can get really easy, especially in this day and age, especially with social media. Hot take, social media is, like, bad for us. It can create this, like, real, like, it can make the world feel really small. And it can make there only be, like, 
three acceptable body types and like three acceptable ways of living and three acceptable ways of styling yourself and, and make that seem incredibly important. I feel like the times in my life where I felt the least amount of stress and like burdened by comparison were when my sphere was just incredibly varied with different people of different ages and different jobs and lived in different places and were at different points in their life because you realize like, oh my gosh, we are all so insanely different. I can't, I couldn't possibly compare myself to anyone. Uh, my, I am, I am so unique. Everyone is so unique. And I want to pivot a little bit because we are both Enneagram fours. And when I was growing up, I'm still growing up. We're still growing up. When I, when I was becoming the person that I am, I desired uniqueness so desperately. I think in an attempt to not have to engage with comparison because, and not have to engage with jealousy because it's such an intense feeling and something I can get so consumed by. But nobody else was allowed to be unique, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I'm the only person who's allowed to be unique. Everyone else is just, is just the same. Because that makes it easier to interpret the world. Not like other girls. Not like other girls. And I think there was always this fear that I would perhaps lose my uniqueness the more I accepted myself and, and didn't, like, sort of focus on it. Um, but what I found is... like understanding my own uniqueness and, and like loving that and really, you know, championing that and turning it into the facets of my life that are productive, but also realizing that everyone's experience is so vastly different and everyone is so unique and there being room for both, which I don't think I thought was possible when I was younger. I didn't think there was room for that. And I feel like that's been a big shift in the spaces where I would get caught up in comparison. Right now, it's definitely the big things are, are, are the, the fiscal and financial. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know, here's a question for you. Do you compare yourself to yourself? And do you think that's good or bad? Can you give an like past versions of past versions of yourself? Like you, a year ago, we were talking about like you on your birthday two years mm-hmm. ago and where you're at now and comparing those two times. I mean, I have to say one nice thing is we're always going up in Rebecca Town. Um, we're always, it's, we're always it, going up it, in Rebecca there was, Town. There, we've, we've gotten through quite a bit of um, stuff. Yeah, I, I actually think looking back and seeing, um, no, but all that to say, I think comparing myself to past iterations of myself, the, like the really socially anxious one who in high school, like I was like, I just wish I could be as comfortable and confident as the other girls in my year. And 
I think living very lonely existences in Chicago, in Nashville, in other spaces, and I feel like in Atlanta, like in like in London, um, Rebecca. <laughs> guys, um, I lived in London, but I- oh <laughs> my gosh. I did. I did. No, but um, yeah. how could I have forgotten? But um, also, though, I think what's sweet is I got so good at being on my own while I was living in these other cities. Now I can really appreciate my community. Like I feel like I appreciate it and take uh, I don't take it for granted more than so many people. But also I relish my time alone. I think also you, I mean, you have struck a really lovely balance between understanding that, like, when you, like, not taking something for granted, I feel like putting in the work and, like, to maintain these relationships. Mm -hmm. So then when you do have that alone time, it doesn't feel like there's something missing because you've done the work and you know that, like, the second that you decide to not, you know, you're like, I'm out of ghost mode. I'm alive mm-hmm. again. You have a bevy of, of people. My weekend calendar is already a few He's days deep. Stacked, baby. Yeah. Stacked. I need to find time to read Akatar and it's filling up real fast. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think for me, at least comparing myself to previous versions of myself, um, means I don't, uh, I don't take anything good I have going on for granted. Now I still, mm. I'm sounding very Pollyanna right now, y'all. Also <laughs> I am, Maddie can tell you, I am deeply upset with my situation at different moments. Um, but I do think just, and sometimes I can get as sad in that I'll be thinking this time is not good right now. It wasn't good before and it will never be mm. good. So that yeah. is a different way I can compare it. But no, I've never been like, man, 24-year-old me, uh, ah, she was... Really had it she, going she was on. Really. Well, I mean, it's sort of... I think you are... It's still comparison, but you're like, yeah, and uh, it, we're on the good side of this. Like, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm actually doing great. Yeah. I'm glad I have this to compare to. Yeah. What about you, Maddie? Yeah, I think I... I think I tend to use, I have, I have a very, um, sort of like very vast, uh, appreciation for how many memories I have as a child. I, 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 my memory to me is something that like is a, is a skill that I rely on a lot and it is a huge tool in helping me achieve uh, just like growth, like personal growth um, and understanding and like, you know, battling depressive episodes and figuring out uh, who I want to be and where I want to go. And I feel like my ability to recall and and um, compare the past is a huge sort of like just touch point Mm -hmm. for me um going out and exploring I I I feel like a really big thing that I struggle with a lot is when I have nothing to compare it 
to, but experiences that I have nothing to compare to. So like new sort of environments where like even the Beyonce concert, uh, like had never been to that stadium before and had to deal with like parking there and, and um, what the venue was like and uh, like just the sort of details. And I could feel myself becoming immensely stressed with the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and now having experienced it, anytime I go to, I have to go to this massive arena, I have this experience to compare it to. And so my anxiety is immediately like just decreased tenfold. Yeah, the, there is a huge amount of fear when I have nothing to compare a situation. On a surface level, having feel I think comparison is kind of a an evolutionary tool Mm. it's how it's it's discernment it's basically being able to make decisions based on the information that's being presented to Mm -hmm. us and make assumptions on how we should behave what we should expect out of out of the life that we live um, how we should be treated how we should treat others and it's just when it becomes really corrosive that it, 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 you know, can ruin you. Uh, I feel like maybe like the, the other side of the, of it, non-corrosive is like when you're in a friendship with someone who is kind of like twin flamey and you can like kind of compare yourselves to each other, sort of like, the friendship that you and I have, Rebecca. I was about to say, do you have another twin flame? <laughs> I was about to really compare myself to them. This, There's like a huge relief in finding someone that you can compare yourself to and, and sort of see like all the deep insecurities that I have and all like the mean ways that I talk to myself hearing you say that to yourself at times I'm like how dare you talk about my friend that way how dare you and it really does help in sort of being able to have a a more well-rounded view of myself but the places that we overlap like when I first met some of Maddie's friends I didn't know what they were like and so I just decided I'd only been around her in person for 24 hours at that point but I just decided I'll just be Maddie um and so I was sitting at the opposite end of the dinner table as Maddie Maddie's talking to some friends I'm talking to some oh, friends yeah. and I and I'm not ashamed of this but I mimicked her tone her mannerisms any of those little inside jokes that we had been trading back and forth for the past few days I was using those and I only found out months later that one of her best friends said you choose friends who are just like you like Rebecca is the Atlanta version of you and I had actually kind of purposely went into that like (laughs) this is so like anyone else would be throwing up but kind of that like shared version of ourself like you know this like this like almost person that we'll both do an impression of together might when Absolutely. When my sister Bivy met Maddie, she said, it's kind of weird. Like, y'all are the same person. <laughs> and this is so cringy. But there was one time I very drunkenly said it to you that night. Remember when we got, we were so hungover the next day? I told you at the oh, Earl, yeah. but I meant it. I said, sometimes I see you and I think it's me. 
Like she just was like (laughs) walking around and we don't even look that similar y'all. So I'm saying all of this, that it's like very sweet. It's very like, I was told to look up her videos because everyone said, I thought this was you. I, I like, I'd been sent Maddie's article after I'd interviewed her and said, this seems just like, like it is this weird twin flame, but also it's a very, the comparison at different points can get intense um about for me it was like whenever she's dating someone I'm like well I'm the messed up version of Maddie um oh my gosh and and whenever I'm dating someone I'm like I'm the um emotionally catastrophic version of Rebecca at the beginning of our friendship um and eventually Maddie had to tell me Rebecca I think you think I'm a lot bigger of a deal than anyone else does um, just cause yeah. I am her number one fan and I adore her, and, but, and that's what being, I mean, that's the beauty of being best yes. is you do get to be each other's number, number one, one fan. fan. And if anyone says that, I, I mean, the only person who maybe can beat me out is like your mom. And I'm like, yeah, fair, she honestly, no, I actually, I do think you might be more of my, my fan than my mother is. And that's why you and her will have to fight to the death. No, I, if, if Chris wants to be your number one fan, I will walk in front of a truck. Like I, she absolutely can have it. Um, but, uh, I would never get in the way of that. But also like when we first became friends, I kind of felt like all of a sudden I had like these, not LA connections, but all of a sudden I kind of had this other side of my life that was connected with just being friends with Maddie and um yeah. kind of being like does everyone think i'm the derpy little sister you know yeah well and i it's i feel like not like oh i can see that because to like i said when i said it like i i i'm like wow i do think you think of a lot of a bigger deal than i actually am uh i i think that sort of like that desire to compare and also like feel sort of important in someone's life and feel, and I think the beauty of it is you think you have to have all these external things Mm -hmm. to be meaningful and important and have like, yeah, like have value to a relationship, but it's really like it, it's so, it's so wonderful when you're able to get to the point where you realize it's, it's not about Mm -hmm. that. And you can become true, true equals, not just, not just from one side, but like, and I will say the great thing about Maddie is I have worried that we've been compared, but actually I've always had quite a bit of a, I've, I've been a very confident girl just in that no one has ever gassed me up more than Maddie. So even I'm like, hope people aren't comparing us because they're wrong if they think <laughs> I'm not just as good because Maddie says, I'm the most special girl in and, the world. <laughs> and, and you are. I know. You are the most special girl in I know. the world. She's done a very, very good job of convincing me of that, y'all. Um, Do you feel like anyone has ever been, has ever compared themselves to you? Like, do you feel, because I, I think we both come from, we come from big families where perhaps the sibling dynamic, if you've got kind of maybe not the best parent at the head of, of the, the, the crew, 
um, parents can pit their children against one another and there can be this huge comparison game. Like, why can't you be more like your brother? I don't think we have that in either one of our families. I think think both of our, our parents are like, you guys are so insane and different that like, it would actually be a lot easier if we were all the same. Like it would actually be like amazing if you weren't, you know, vastly different dynamic human beings who are in no way, shape or form compared to one no. another. Uh, my, my siblings and I, we have like overlapping qualities, but we are bizarrely a family of big personalities. So big <laughs> and so different, yeah. but so wonderful. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think anyone compares themselves to Because, I mean, even saying that feels like such an ego stroke. Um, yeah. I, I, also, I also would kind of be like, don't. Don't do it. that. Don't do well, that. Well, I guess maybe uh, the only thing I can kind of think of is, and I'm saying this is like a micro, not even micro. I'm saying this, Darcy, because I don't I'm not micro. But I have mm-hmm. met a lot of my friends through on through being online. Like I've had people hit me up in my DMs and just say, I think we would be great friends because I present a version of myself that is real online. And I know that they are liking what they're seeing online or they would not be randomly DMing me, but being like, hey, I think we would be friends. Let's be friends. And I always get nervous. So I guess this is me like comparing myself to my online version. I will get kind of nervous on these friend dates that I'll get asked out on. Because I, it, it's happened like you know enough times that I'm aware of the feeling where I'm like, oh, I I hope I'm not a disappointment. I know that they want Ooh, to be friends with me that's- because of my humor. I, I don't live a cool influencer life, but like it, it's always kind of weird, you know. I hope I don't let you down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the idea of an online identity. Mm-hmm is a, a, and a, a real identity is something that is so in the past I think you would have people would have versions of themselves but it's sort of like everyone if they're on social media has a version mm-hmm. of themselves that is perhaps vastly different from who they are perhaps uh, you know very very accurate to who they are and sort of like almost a, a different like an outpouring of of their inner selves in interacting with those types of dynamics and, and relationships that can be something that could definitely turn you off of someone Mm -hmm. could definitely sort of skew your perception of their ability to be genuine Mm -hmm. is if they are a completely different person online. And I have, met people who present one way online and it is interesting meeting them in person. Yeah. Um, it's, it's never really been like, Oh, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm freaked out. It's more like, Oh, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah. This is, this, you're an interesting person. Yeah. There's, there's layers to this. That is kind of the way I'm maybe being compared to myself, or at least I, I know that they want one thing, but I'm just not sure if I'm going to be actually what they wanted. Uh, what about you? I, I mean, not that I know of. I think in like a more wholesome way, I would love to get to the point where I'm creating something that inspires someone. Like that's like such a like, but like, I, I mean, no, that's, that's I art. saw like me, if I didn't, if I didn't want to like inspire 
people if like if I wanted to like what would I even want like if I didn't want to entertain them and like inspire them and like make the uh, make them feel a certain way Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make anything and I would it would be such a fucking privilege to have someone consume a piece of work that I created and have them then want to duel me in the same way that I must duel Wes Anderson. I I have seen, there was a video I was looking, um, I was trying to find, maybe it was your Wes Anderson video once, but uh, another person came up and they were using very similar shots to yours. And it was very much like they Mm. took your blueprint and they were younger. And so it wasn't like, oh no, like they were doing their version of videos I've seen you do of Wes Anderson. And I was like, that's really interesting. Someone has sat there and watched Maddie's video and like watched it and watched it and like learned the beats. And then, or even like just realizing that, that whatever I'm, I'm, I'm pulling from on my end Mm -hmm. and just translating it to a new medium. They can then be like, Oh, this is how you translate this to this medium. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you're able to, to do that. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, that's so, it is so interesting. And it is like, I think the only word I can really like think of is a privilege. It's a privilege to be compared to, I think. Absolutely. That means someone is, um, admiring, and uh or or hating on you yeah that's true like uh, like what I worry is that if and when I am able to put my work out there and and people are able to look at it Mm -hmm. if eyes get on it which would be amazing the the fear is the comparison and how and 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 the comparison perhaps diminishing the um, merit of the work. Yeah. I think with my, just in the past year, starting to like write and create more, I, you know, you have all these things floating around in your head and you're, I'm always kind of wondering like, is this like, what's worth the time of exploring? And I think there is no, there is no new idea under the sun, but, uh, my first short film and only short film I've ever written I was proud of it and I was okay with putting it in front of like producers and stuff because I knew this is something only something I would have written. Like yeah. and if you yeah. if you don't like it, which some people just didn't get it, that's okay because it is something so clearly from my lens. Rebecca. Yes. And so yeah. I think like with the comparison with, you know, Wes Anderson and whatnot, as long as you understand that he couldn't have made this, even though other yeah. people might not think so. He just got lucky. He just like came first. Cause really, as we all yeah. do, we're all knocking. There is, we're all knocking oh people gosh. off. We're, we're, I like, I could tell you exactly who Wes Anderson is knocking yeah. off. Juan Car Y, I feel like, is someone I would compare you with more than um, <sighs> Wes. Yeah. Well, that, that is like, I got like Jacques Demy one time and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, please, com- please compare me to him. It, oh my God, I will. Yes, thank you. But that's also, that is one of Wes Anderson's mm-hmm. main influences. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because in then in the comparison, there is this added benefit of any time 
not anytime, obviously. I don't, I'm not, that's not the, the, uh, I have, that's not the ego mm-hmm. I have, but when Wes Anderson does come out with things because of my unique association with him, it does sort of like, um, it float me into people's minds a little mm-hmm. bit for, for, for better or for worse. And I think at the end of the day, think of all the awful people you could be compared to. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. I'm just grateful. It's not like an immediate Greta Gerwig just because I'm a woman. Yeah. Like, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, like, the future is now. Yeah, the future is feminism. The future is now. I'm getting. I'm getting compared to a man. Oh my goodness! How incredible is I that? I can't wait. <laughs> I, um, I want to start saying like, I think he's the next Greta Gerwig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got one out of me. That's really Thank good. You. I think he's the next Greta. <laughs> I think he's the next Sofia Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Greta Gerwig is definitely like. Every every female filmmaker for the last like but you know five or so but years also is, like is just like on no no way shape or form is like gonna get a, a, away from the Greta Gerwig comparison. Um, to wrap up, um, I I want to know mm-hmm. uh, like rapid fire five things you um, you love to compare. Okay. okay, I'll go first. Seasons of America's Next Top Model. Oh, okay. Love to compare. Love seasons. to compare. Um, I think a comparison that comes up a lot is Witch Pride and Prejudice. Oh, that's really good. That's those a good are one. compared all the time. I love to compare childhood trauma. Oh, with strangers yes. or new friends. Okay, I love to compare. I love to compare childhood trauma. I think it's so bonding. I think it really cements us. I like to compare like personality types and stuff. I love to, Ooh, cause I'm like, yes. Oh, you're a six wing seven. And then I'm immediately like using my little Rolodex and comparing you to all my other six wing sevens. Yeah. So then I understand how your psyche works and then I can start telling you yourself back to you. That's always fun. I love to compare, uh, McDonald's mm-hmm. it, McDonald's locations around the city. Cause they're all owned by um, different operators. Oh. And so it's like, sometimes they just like do the egg McMuffin just a little bit better than the other one. And I love to compare that. That is very niche. I love knowing my favorite McDonald's to go, um, get a McGriddle from and at like 11 AM. Mm-hmm. No, not 11 AM because they don't do that 24 seven mm-hmm. now. But Maddie's going to be dropping her list of the best place to get different items from McDonald's. At McDonald's. Oh, and I like to compare siblings um, because my siblings are better than everyone else's siblings. Not better than yours. But being like, well, my siblings are like this. And everybody is always like, whoa, I wish I I could have siblings like yours. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." because I do. I have very, very famously great siblings. I love to compare Halloween costumes from like the previous year. Like when you're like, oh, what did you dress up as last year? I love knowing what someone dressed up as, especially if I had a good costume that year and then we can compare. We'll love that. I, that is a really good one. As someone with anxiety, I always find a reason not to attend anything Halloween. Um, it's a very stressful holiday. I, I mean, Halloween's a cursed holiday for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. I've never had a good Halloween. Mm. Oh, we should do a Halloween oh, episode. Yeah. Okay, wait. Last question, Maddie. Last question. Is okay. comparison the thief of joy? 
the question we've been oh leading gosh, up to. Comparison. The comparison here. Here's the thing. Comparison can be the thief of joy, but it can also be the first step towards growth. And joy can only be achieved through personal growth. So perhaps it's not the thief of joy, but it is sort of a a sly, wily fox that you either... it's, It's a wolf in the woods saying, go pick those flowers over there. Because and, and you're like, no, no, no. I've got to stay on the path to grandmother's house. I've got to stay on the path to joy. And comparison is like, all right. Or you could be go you could be could be picking flowers. And then and then before you know it, your your grandma's got a big nose. Comparison is something you've got to keep your eye on. If you lonely girls would like to keep your eye on us. Um, you can find us at the Lonely Girls Podcast on Instagram, same on TikTok. You can find me at Turner Madeline on Instagram and at Madeline Turner on TikTok. Rebecca, where can they keep their eyes um, on you? They can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Botter and TikTok at Botter Rebecca. And just a little reminder, please leave us five stars and or a review. We got the nicest review um, a couple weeks ago that we just we saw. Did. And um, it, like, I texted a screenshot of it to Maddie immediately. And because um, y'all it are, really made it really made a yeah, lot. Cause, it made a yeah, because it made a lot of. It made a lot of it everything. It made a lot of everything. And um, we love making this, but it is a ton of work. And so just knowing the way that we were hoping to impact people when we first started, that just like meant the world to us. So that, that's why we want to review. It really does. Nothing could, um, you could say that nothing compares. Nothing compares to a good review. All right. Um, lonely girls, we love you. Thank you for listening to us today. Um, we want you to, as always, remember to stay lonely, but not alone. Bye. Bye. We love you. Sweet sad songs. Sweet sad songs. Sweet sad songs. Sweet sad songs. Sweet, sad songs. Sweet, sad songs.